Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Element City Church. Thank you for those of you who are on site with us and in the house. Thank you for those of you who are tuned in online from your house. We are grateful to have you here, grateful to gather together, whether uh, wherever you might be, we are connected here for the next few moments. And we want to just say thank you for being a part of Element City Church. And so if you are kind of new, maybe new turning, tuning in online or new being here with us tonight, we want to encourage you to download our free app because it's free and because I just updated a whole bunch of stuff in the events section uh, of things that are happening here in the month of December and on into January. I want to draw your attention to that. You can find that out. If you are new, the second tile down is called the connection card. And we would love for you to fill that out for us and give me a chance to try to connect with you and, and to reach out and kind of hear your story a little bit and help welcome, welcome you to Elements and help you find your fit and your connection here. So one big thing, how many of you eat lunch Perfect. I'd love to have lunch with you. And so here's what we're doing. Uh, we're doing kind of a virtual lunch hangout uh, this Wednesday and on December 16th. So from wherever you are, you can dial in and we will eat lunch together and hang out and converse. And maybe we'll spend some time just talking shop and, and talking about life. And maybe we'll pray together, do whatever that may be. You may have some crazy questions. I'd love to try to answer them or at least make up an answer. So uh, I invite you to have lunch with me uh, and for us to hang out. That's for anybody and anyone online. You can tune in with that. Also letting you know, next week we start our Christmas series. Can you believe December is almost here. It's crazy. So December is starting, Christmas series starting next week. Uh, join us for that uh, journey. We're going to have Christmas Eve services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. You can choose which one of those times you'd like to come, uh, as well as just being a part of this journey. If you love Christmas and you love decorating for Christmas, if that's you and you're like, what? I love that. Then tomorrow morning, we have a crew that's hanging out here decorating the church at 9 a.m. I will be here. I would love your Christmas cheer to be here with me. So if you're watching online and you got some time uh, to come out and help us, we'd love to invite you for that. So as we get started, I'm going to ask that you stand up here in the house at home. I don't know if you're standing up, so it's fine. Uh, but we like to pray for North Swan Baptist Church. That's the church of the week uh, for Pastor Andrew there. They have also gone through a lot this fall. They lost their senior pastor uh, to COVID, and uh, he passed away in September. And so Pastor Andrew is his son, and I'd like to pray for him. I know Andrew and want to pray for their church and pray for us tonight as we get started. So, Father, we are grateful to have a chance and an opportunity, whether we're online or here in the house, to gather together. We ask this next hour or so, God, that you would be in the midst and that you would move in our hearts and you would move in our church and that you continue to help us grow to be everything you want us to be. And Father, we lift up North Swan Baptist Church to you and Pastor Andrew. Uh, God, I know they've been through a lot this fall. And so we're praying that you as the God of all comfort would comfort them again, would refresh their hearts, would stir up their leaders and their church to invest in the vision and mission that you have for them. Pray your blessing over their preschool and the school that they have on site. God, we just ask, ask for your absolute best blessing upon North Swan Baptist Church and upon Pastor Andrew, that you take care of them and that you would allow them to sense just a refreshment in their heart as so many churches are rallying around praying for them this weekend. Father, we love you. We lift up these next few moments to you and ask that you'd meet us in worship and that you'd sharpen our hearts to know you better. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said...
Amen. All right, church, let's sing. See those hands. Come on.
crown for a cross You willingly died Your innocent life paid the cost Counting your status is nothing The king of all kings came to serve
Father, it's, it's so easy to just kind of stand here and sing, <clears throat> sing those words. Gosh, when I stand back and I think about what am, what am I saying? And it just takes on a whole, a whole nother meaning, Father. And I pray, I pray for this church, for this body, for your people. God, I pray that you would grow us to be more like your son. And when we say, you're all I need, in our own human element, Father, we're never going to get there. We're never going to get there. But God, I pray that you would grow us more and more like your son each day. And that when those moments come where we know we've fallen short, We'll feel the tug and the fingertips of your son's grace knocking on our hearts every single time to remind us that you have paid the price. So Father, that's our prayer. We pray that you would grow us to be more like your son, that you would give us wisdom that you would give us your voice to be spoken when all other voices are silent. Bless our time tonight, Father. We pray that your spirit would move in a mighty, mighty way as we grow a little bit more each time we gather. We love you. You are so worthy, so worthy of our praise. And we welcome your spirit and your changing power here in this place. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. Um, if you are here in the house, uh, you can open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 or open up the app, go down to sermon notes, or if you're at home, uh, welcome to join us in reading that. And we've been wrapping, kind of walking our way through the book of Ephesians, and tonight we're ending that journey. We're going to start Christmas series next weekend, and so uh, I know I'm leaving out a whole chapter of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, which means Ephesians 6 like we're not even going to get to. But we did a series on that called Battle Lines. It was all about spiritual warfare, and we did a series on that a couple years back. Uh, you can find that in the app. I invite you to go back to that. I don't know if, uh, how many Mandalorian fans do I have in the house? Okay. Few of you, uh, if you are like, what's a Mandalorian? It's not an orange. Um, it's like a TV show that's like Star Wars, but not, but is, but isn't. It kind of, it's got baby Yoda, but it's not baby Yoda. Anyway, so you just have to Google it. Uh, so find out about it. But in that series, in that show, our family's been watching. Uh, and I'm going to be honest. Listen, there are some shows, some episodes, and I'm like, this isn't very good. And then the last one, I was like, okay, this is pretty good again. Uh, so I'm just being honest. Uh, but in this, uh, they have this phrase that they use, this Mandalorian's like the soldier, kind of like Boba Fett, but different. Okay, anyway. Uh, so like he... 
he has this, this saying where he says, this is the, ooh, some of you are big fans. Okay, so like, this is the way. That's what they say, okay? So like, uh, they're talking, 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 well, this is the way. Like, this is the way we do things. And I want you to keep that in mind because that's really, I don't know if you know, the Apostle Paul came up with that so many years before the Mandalorian. He doesn't say it the same, but in essence, that's kind of what he's saying in Ephesians chapter 5. It's like, hey, this is the way. This is the way you're now to live as someone who is now living under the grace and the salvation of Jesus. And so, again, if you're tuning in online or here in the house and, and maybe someone invited you and you're on your own spiritual journey just investigating, uh, I'm so proud of you for being here. I know for many of us, we've come to that place where, where Jesus is more than just a, a historical figure, more than just a good miracle worker or a good teacher, more than just someone who had good things to say about life. Like, he, we really have bought into the belief that he really is the Messiah, the sent Savior, uh, to give us the grace that we need that we could not manufacture on our own. And so uh, we, we've had our lives changed by him. And now because of the way that he's changed us, uh, Paul is going to get it to here in Ephesians chapter 5, like to say, okay, well, this is the way. Like this is the way you're to now live as one who's been changed by Jesus. Now for some of you, you may not be there yet, and that's okay. In fact, we want to be a kind of church where you can investigate in your own spiritual journey at your own pace. And here's my encouragement to you, is that as you listen tonight, maybe there's something that you're going to hear tonight where you're going to go, man, I want my life to be more like that. And then can I just encourage you? It's not simply about you taking the effort to do that. You don't have enough power in you to do this. But the beautiful part of the grace is that Jesus wants to live life in and through you, and he's got more than enough power to help you live this way. Now, are we going to get it perfect? No. This side of heaven, we're still going to make mistakes. Big mistake right here. Okay, just I make mistakes, okay? Some of you may not think I do. I do. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Uh, like, I make mistakes all the time, right? And, and so this is this journey that we're on, and Paul's kind of getting at the saying, okay, there's three key things I want us to see. So if you have a pen, I don't know if you are the person who, like, mark, marks up your Bible. Uh, I do because I think it helps me. So if, like, if you have your actual Bible here, you can mark it up if you have the uh, kind of the U version notes or something like that, then highlight verses 1, 8, and 15 in chapter 5, because that is the key to what Paul's saying this is the way. This is the way you're to live now as one who is living under the grace of Jesus and under his salvation. And here's verse 1 and 2. I'm reading from the ESV version, English Standard Version. And here's what it says, verse 1. He says this, Therefore, okay, whenever you read the word therefore, remember this is your English lesson, you have to ask why is this therefore, right? Like so like all the stuff he said at the tail end of chapter 4, he's saying because of all that now, Therefore, you are to be imitators of God, he says, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God on your behalf and on my behalf. Meaning, Jesus lived the sacrificial kind of life, and it's the sacrificial kind of love that impacts people. You, as a follower of Jesus, me, as a follower of Jesus, you are to be imitators of God. Now, how many of you would say, that is a tall task? 
One person. Perfect. Um, let me just remind you, God's big, we're little. How many of you would say that is a tall task to be an imitator of God, right? Uh, we all, if you are a parent, uh, you've watched your little ones imitate you. More often than not, they don't get it right. They make a great effort, right? They make a great effort in some things, but they don't really nail it at times. If we're just honest as parents, we say they do, and we tell them they do. But let's be honest, they don't, okay? But uh, they're making this effort to imitate. And this is what Paul's saying. This, listen, you are to imitate God. That is a tall, tall order and a tall task. Here's how some other uh, versions read it this way. They say, follow God's example. Uh, the NIV, the New Living, says, imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. The message says this, watch what God does and then do it, like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. How many of you are a parent, or you're an aunt and uncle, you've watched your nieces, nephews, your kids imitate you in some ways, right? Uh, you've watched them imitate you, whether it's, you know, I remember trying to teach my son how to shave when he was like two, uh, you know, with a fake razor, not the real one. Uh, That's bad parenting. Good parenting, fake razor. Uh, And so, you know, pretending how to shave, and and like, this is what you have to look forward to, and it's awesome, it's not awesome. Uh, You remember teaching your kids different things, seeing them attempt, maybe you've seen the the TikTok videos of the parent who does the cartwheel, and then like the one-year-old who attempts to do the cartwheel but just falls on their face, right? And Everyone laughs, and we get out our camcorders and we record this idea of imitation. What we have to understand is, even some of the child psychologists understand the importance of imitating. Uh, one expert said this: imitation is vital to the development of our abilities, ranging from language to social skills. So, toddlers who imitate are actually developing themselves and developing themselves up into maturity. It's part of the development process. And really, that's what Paul has been saying now for a couple chapters. Verses, or chapters 1, 2, and 3 were kind of this theology of here's what you have because of Jesus. And now in chapter 4 and 5, he's saying, listen, this is who now you are, and this is the way to now live. This is the way that you're to carry out life as a follower of Jesus, one who has surrendered their life to him. You are to learn to live, to imitate God, to follow after. Now, we all imitate things. Um, The next time you get in the elevator, watch yourself. My hunch is you imitate the people in the elevator. You walk in. If you just stare at people in the elevator, that's weird. Right? If you're just facing the people, what does everyone do in an elevator? Well, they get in, they turn around, they look at the door, right? Because no one wants to be looked at. If you want to have a fun experiment, just get in the elevator and just stare at people. It's really awkward. Why? We all naturally imitate. It's what we do. It's part of social uh, just arrangement in life and dealing with social realities of life as we look for ways to imitate. There's different kinds of imitation. Sometimes there's imitation in mockery. Or flattery. Mockery would be Saturday Night Live, right? And we watch Saturday Night Live because of the mockery. We watch people who examine mannerisms of somebody and then they blow it out of proportion and they make us laugh because it's kind of this mocking. It's kind of like this camouflaged criticism uh, of people, right? Now, the other side of that is, is flattery as a compliment. 
Maybe you see uh, athletes who will say the same kind of language that their coach says because that coach has impacted their life and it's shaping who they are and they're just now beginning to mimic uh, that same kind of passion. Or an old veteran player is helping show them the way in which they are to, to live in the league or to play in the league. And so they just begin to model the work ethic that they see because it's, it's flattery is some of the best kind of compliments that you can get. And it's this idea of flattery or, or mockery. And we see imitation all around us all the time. And yet this imitation is meant to be authentic. That's what Paul's getting at. Authentic imitation is way more than just mimicking mannerisms. It's way deeper than just than mimicking some mannerisms that people have. How many of you have seen the movies? Back Remember when Hollywood used to make movies? Yeah, uh, and so like we used to go to the movies. I don't know if you've been there recently, but like you, you go there and you see people acting. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Some actors and actresses have gone into great lengths to begin to mimic the, the, the person that they are trying to represent on the screen. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, Natalie Portman in The Black Swan trained with New York City ballet dancer Mary Bowers eight hours a day, six days a week for 12 months before they started filming the movie, just so she can learn a role and begin to carry it out to mimic what she needed to be as an actress playing out this role in the movie. Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Revenant uh, plunged in and out of icy waters, ate raw buffalo meat, and slept in a simulated horse carcass to prepare for his role. That's weird, I think, but okay, so. Fury, Shiloh LaBeouf, trained with the U.S. National Guard, was a chaplain as assistant in the 41st Infantry, and during the filming, he did not bathe for four months. How many of you are glad you weren't his co-star? <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh, Ray Charles, uh, Jamie Foxx played Ray Charles in the movie. He wore prosthetic eyelids, leaving him blind for most of each day filming. Occasionally, he would inadvertently be left alone on the stage, and the crew would forget that he is blind and cannot find his way around. He also studied and learned all the piano parts, and he lost 30 pounds so he could play the role. So Hollywood understands this idea of mimicking. But see, to imitate God is way more than just mimicking some of his mannerisms. Or, or trying to mimic some of the attributes of what he portrays. See, learning to imitate God, what Paul is saying in verses 1 and 2, is it's deeper than that. A life of godly imitation is more than mannerism management. It must flow from inner heart transformation by Jesus. It flows outward from an inward transformation. That's why Paul says, I want you to live this godly imitation. Just as God has loved you, you are his dear children. Now, watch what he does and then do it. That's what it means to imitate God. That's what it means to begin to live from the inside out and to be transformed in a way where it's no longer just something that you're trying to mimic as an attitude or mimic as a habit, but it's actually, it's, it's so transformed your life that you just begin to live a little bit more like Jesus. And so the song that we just sang, More Like Jesus, 
God, make me more like Jesus. That's the invitation that Paul's getting at here. Saying, look, this is the way that you're to now live. As one who has said yes to Jesus and felt his salvation and, and had everything gifted and given to you, now because of your changed position, you are now invited to begin to live more and more like him. Like you have received you now get to be a part of giving. See, imitating a divine life of love is a big deal. And it's more than just mimicking mannerisms of love. See, when it's authentic, people know. And when it's fake, people know. Don't you? That when love is kind of thrown at you and it's fake or it's kind of forced you know. But when it's authentic and it's real, you know. And that is what Paul is getting at here. As Christians, we're to live out this love that we've been given, that we've been gifted, that uh, our salvation for Jesus or our salvation from Jesus is not predicated or inherent on the merit of me as a person. It's not built on unmerited love and grace and mercy and favor of God. It's built on that from God. That we are simply sunk without the love of God. The love of God is not about sentimentalism or romanticism. The agape love of God is based on a decision, his decision. And his decision is primarily concerned with his beloved, you and me. And it's concerned about us regardless of our condition or irrespective of our reaction to him. His love goes first. It's this divine kind of love. And as Christ followers, we are to live a life of love that's modeled off the love that we've received. And when we receive that, when we allow ourselves to understand the great depth and majesty of the love that God has given us, then it overwhelms us to the point where we just, sure, we want to share that with the people around us. And not because we have to, not because we're trying to mimic something. No, no, it just, we live embraced by this, so therefore I just want to let it overflow. That's what Paul's getting at. This is a challenge. This is the challenge of the Christian lifestyle, to live a life of love that's modeled off the love God has given us. Human love tends to love the lovely, the loving, and the lovable. But divine love even loves the unloved the unlovable, and the unlovely. That's the difference. And so it isn't based on my circumstance or the situation in front of me. I just choose to love because I live as a loved one. I live as one who's been transformed by that. So be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, that's who you are. You're dearly loved. You are God's child. Now, Live a life of love. That's what Paul is saying. This is the way. This is the way that you are to live. And then he challenges us in verses kind of three through eight. He says, here's some things that you need to let go of. Here's some things that are going to try to detour you. And so I don't have time to necessarily unpack all of that tonight, but I want to invite you to read through chapter five uh, this week. Chapters uh, five, verses one through 20. Just read through it on your own. And because there's some things here, he says, listen, don't let uh, sexual immorality be a part of your life. That is the old way of how you used to live. 
but now you've been transformed by the love of God. You don't have to go back to the darkness of that. That's actually what it gets to in verse 8, the second part of this is the way. You're to live as an imitator of God. That's the first way. And now you're to live as a child of the light. This stuff that he's saying in verses 3 through 8, that's the stuff of the darkness. That's the stuff that used to detour your life and sideline you. Let that go. That's not your life anymore. You live in the light, and you walk as a child of the light. That's who you are, and that's what you're about. So Paul kind of goes into verses 8. He emphasizes this light of God. So many biblical writers write so often. You'll see it from Genesis to Revelation about the light and the darkness, and so many of them, the Bible writers talk about this idea of the juxtaposing of the two. That one uh, light speaks of truth and darkness often speaks of the air or confusion. Very often when they're talking about light, they're talking about here's the truth. Here's the right way to go. The truth, the way of truth. And the way of darkness is this way of de- deception. This way of deceit. And you don't want that. It doesn't take you where you want to go. It doesn't, you don't end up where you really truly want to be. And so this light, that's the path that you're to take. That's the path of truth, and the truth will set you free. Light and darkness cannot coexist. So a life redeemed by the blood of Christ and bought in his light of his truth must not continue to live a sinful lifestyle of darkness. Does that mean we never struggle with that? No, we do. And this side of heaven, we will. But that means, kind of like Gabe said in this prayer, that we will be quick to recognize when we're kind of falling back into an old way of life. To say, that's that's the way of darkness and deceit and deception. That sidelines me in life. I don't want to live over there. I want to be a child of the light. I want to walk in that way. This darkness is not to be a part. That is a part of everyone's past. But it doesn't have to be a part of our present and our future. That when you heard the gospel message and you received salvation through Jesus, you are now living in the light of the Lord. And Christians are not merely enlightened about God. We are now filled with the light of God. That's the spirit. And so let your light shine. And so not only is it this live as an imitator of God, and then secondly, live in the light of God. Walk as a child of the light. But now in verse 15, He's saying again, there's some other verses in between there I don't have time to unpack. But he's saying again, listen, you want to know what this is the way? This is the way you're to live? Live as an imitator of God. Live as one who walks in the light. And then live as one who is wise, not unwise. Live with the wisdom God wants to give you, wants to breathe into you, wants to be a part of your life. Verses 15 through 17 talks about living in accordance with the will of God. Many people, all of us, if we're honest, live in the will of us. I want. Anyone ever said that? I want. And so therefore, we determine what we're going to do based off I want. I want this, or I don't want this, or I want this person, I don't want this person, I want this experience, or I don't want this experience. And so I make all my decisions based off what I want. But what Paul is saying is, listen, you have every right to do that. But the reality is it won't lead you to the kind of life that God has best for you. What you really want is to walk in the will of God. And so you want to walk as one who is wise, not unwise. You want to walk as one who is pursuing the will of God. What if you would abandon yourselves to God's will rather than just your wants? A happy person 
is the person who has said, God will, God's will is just what I want. I want to be in God's will. As you submit yourself to God's will, as he works in you, you begin to discover that his will becomes what you want. And it begins to shape you and change you from the inside. That our responsibility as a follower of Jesus is to live in the light and to live with the wisdom of God. Paul is encouraging the believers, don't live as unwise, but live as wise. Seek God's will. Then you'll know the right way to go. This is the way that you're to live as one who lives under the grace of Jesus. In other words, we must take our knowledge of Christ and begin to apply it to the everyday portions of our life. And that we become aware of our conduct and what our conduct does and says and communicates in particular to those who are not yet followers of Jesus. What is our conduct and how we live and how we make decisions what does that communicate to the people who are watching your life and watching my life to say, what is the right way to live? I, I, everybody in the world is trying to figure out the right way to live. And yet Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You want to follow me. And so many people pursue the right things, and yet they end up not in the right place. And they would be the first ones to sit at Starbucks and tell you over coffee, I'm not where I want to be. And I'm trying to search it out. And I'm trying to understand it. And what Paul is saying is, listen, you want to follow Jesus and live as wise, not unwise. And so your conduct, my conduct, it, it communicates to the people around you, especially the people who have yet to say yes to Jesus. And, and they're trying to search the right way to live. And they're watching you and they're watching me trying to get clues. Have they figured it out? Because I haven't figured it out yet. Have they narrowed into the right way to live? And what Paul is saying is live as wise, not as unwise. That we are to leverage our life and to impact the people around us, to draw them closer to our Savior and the change that he's done in our lives. We are sent into the world for his good and for his glory to promote his story, that his way of life really is the best possible way to live life. And so we're to use our conversations and our actions to draw attention toward God, not begin to distract people away because of our conduct. It begins to confuse unbelievers. When you say one thing and yet live a different way, when our lifestyle doesn't match the convictions that we claim, we create confusion for non-believers and dissonance within our own life. And so we feel it. That's why I bet when you've made a decision or a choice where you, you made the unwise choice and you would honestly admit it as a follower of Jesus, you would say, man, that was not the wise. That's not God's best for me. And I chose it because I wanted it. it was, I want it. And then maybe it's a week later, maybe it's two weeks later, and you look in the mirror and you go, man, I, I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I want to be. God, I'm so sorry that I chose my wants over your will. And we've all been there. In fact, we'll probably all be there this week. In a moment where we choose the unwise thing, the non-God best way. And yet, we begin to be called back to say, no, what is the best possible way to live? And so here's what he says, an example. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is 
And then he gives this example. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you know how many times I get asked as a pastor, are we allowed to drink? So can I just camp out there for a minute? Are we allowed to drink? Can you drink as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? Yes. Can you get drunk? Heck no. That's in the Greek. I don't know if you saw that. That's really what Paul is saying. He's giving examples here. Listen, live as a wise person, not an unwise person. Understand what the will of God is. That's his best for you. Pursue that. Choose that over just your wants. Because your wants won't take you where you actually really want to go and where God really wants you to go. They'll take you where you want, but that's not always the best place. And so choose the will of God. Here's the will of God, that you be filled with the Spirit, walking in attunement and in alignment with Him. Do you know when you are not filled with the Spirit, not filled in alignment and attunement with Him? When you give control of yourself to something else. That's why Paul gives this example right here. In fact, this is the most clear place in all of the New Testament where it's answering that question, can Christians drink? The answer biblically is yes. Can you get drunk? Heck no. That's in the Greek. You you can't because you're giving yourself over. Uh, This question of people ask all the time, okay, well, uh, here's some wisdom I passed on to my son when he got to that age and we were having this conversation. I said, more than two, you're no longer you. More than two, you're no longer you. So that's your life lesson that I'm giving you as a dad. Can you drink? Sure. Can you get drunk? Heck no. Why? Because that's not God's best for you. That's not wise. That's unwise. That's what Paul's saying. For some, drinking can be a sin. Uh, And so maybe for you, you should abstain. Uh, For others that maybe have a history of alcoholism in their family, maybe it would be best to abstain because that's the best boundary for you. you got to make that decision. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, This is the right way for you and you and you and you. What I'm telling you is here's what the Bible says about drinking. It's one example Paul gives here. We're to love people above ourselves. And so sometimes it's me abstaining because I'm with people who have a struggle or have an issue. And for them, it's a boundary. And so for me, it's me choosing not my wants, but the will of God. And maybe in that moment, the best thing is to honor them above myself. I think that's in the Bible. It is, by the way. It's choosing to put someone else's needs first. It's not saying that I can't, but maybe it's saying in this moment it's not the best thing. Choose to live the wise life, not the unwise life. That may mean that you have to curtail your freedom so that you don't unnecessarily offend someone else. Do you see how this works? It's different. Well, tell me the exact scenarios, Jack. I can't. Here's what I'm telling you. What Paul is saying is live as a wise person, not an unwise person. And then he's giving this example in here. Maybe the question I would have for you when it comes to this idea of drinking or any kind of substance, do you control your drinking or that substance, or does that substance or drinking control you? That is the real question Paul's getting at. That's what he's saying. Second Peter 
2.19 says this, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. That's why in the New Testament language, we're called to be a slave of Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit, not to be filled with the spirits that take you somewhere else. Does that make sense? I'm trying to get real practical here. We're to be a slave of Jesus, that you live your life as one partnered with the Spirit of God, and that he's the one steering your life accordingly. And so Paul has a lot to say here in Ephesians chapter 5, was kind of, as we wrap up. It's, it's a challenging chapter. Right out of the gate. Imitate God. Whoa. <laughs> that seems like a real tall order. Well, it is. It's above your pay grade. It's above your ability. So you know what you need? God's help. You need his spirit as a part of you and helping lead you. That's how you can begin to imitate. You're not trying to just mimic his mannerisms. You're trying to authentically live out of the love that he's given you and begin to reflect that to the people around you, that you live as a dearly loved child. And from that position and that posture, I now live a life of love. I I can imitate God because of the way he's loved me as I'm trying to love people. I I can live in the light and I can walk in the light with God and when the the things of darkness begin to try to distract me or to detour me, then I can recognize, God, that's not your best for me. And and I don't want to get sidelined and I don't want to get stuck. We have many, many Christians who are walking after Jesus who make some choices and decisions that lead them back in darkness and they're sidelined and they're stuck and their influence, the ability to leverage their life has been stalled out. That's why Paul says you are to live as a wise person, not an unwise. You don't just go with your whims or go after your wants. You're to live wisely. And so friends, I don't know which one of these jumps out to you, but here's the invitation I want to give you tonight. What do you feel like the Spirit's telling you? What do you feel like God is nudging your heart with? Is it to live more as an imitation of him? That maybe you've just been trying to mimic some of his mannerisms, but he's saying, no, no, you are my dearly loved child, and I want you to imitate me. I love you. I want you to then love the way I love you. And maybe for some of you, it's just, man, I've been living on the edge of the light. And and I've been kind of detouring into some decisions, into some choices that aren't the best for me. If I'm just honest, you're the one who has to look at yourself in the mirror. And maybe in that moment, you're like, I don't don't know if this is the best. Maybe that's the Spirit of God saying, hey, yeah, there's, there's, there's better. There's better. And that's why I want you to live as a wise one. And so which one is it? So as the, the team comes back up to lead us, we're going to take a, a moment as in worship and just invite you from your house or here in the house to take a moment and, and just ask God, God, which one? Is it about growing in my imitation of you just because I live as a dearly loved child? 
God, is it about living and walking as a child of the light that maybe I've been too close to some of these patterns of my old life that, that I don't need to be. And I don't want to get detoured or sidelined or stuck. And maybe it's you've been living out of your wants, and yet it's the will of God that you really do want. And so he's challenging you to live as a wise one. So Father, in these next moments and in this song as we worship you, we make it a prayer. We're just asking. Father, would you nudge each one of our hearts in our own living room or those here in this room? Spirit, we give you permission to kind of nudge our hearts toward the the step that you'd like us to take. Each one of us has a next spiritual step, a next uh, step in our spiritual journey to take. What might that be tonight? Ask God to show you. And then you and him have a conversation about what that step might be for this week. So, Father, we invite you. We want to live as imitators of you. That's what our world needs to see. Not people who mimic things from time to time. But authentically, they've been changed from the inside out. And they just now live. This is the way that we now live. And that we we live to walk in the light. Not to flirt with darkness or to be detoured by it. That we live to walk in wisdom pursuing what you will and what you want more than just what we want. So Father, we give you this space, this time, this moment to nudge us toward our next step, we pray. Fire in the morning, hail the 
this church I open up my eyes to
undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper, Lord. I will open up again, throw my fears into the wind. I am desperate for a touch of heaven. Father, we invite you. God, each one of us, whether we've been walking with you for a long time or walking with you for two weeks, you have next steps for us to take. Some of those next steps are avoiding things that have detoured us for a long time. We can only do that by replacing that with a grace and hope that you have us in new habits. Would you help us? God, you call us to be holy like you're holy. Would you call us toward that? God, we recognize that we are far from perfect. We thank you for your grace that picks us up after each stumble and calls to us to take our next step. Would you help us to live as people who imitate you authentically, that it might capture the attention and the curiosity of those around us, that we would live as children of the light, that we would live with wisdom, pursuing your will, because it's the best possible way to live. That it would capture the attention and focus of those that you are searching after, that we live life right next to, and that we'd be able to point them toward you, just like someone pointed us toward you. Jesus, we love you. We pray your blessing over each one gathered, each one gathered in their own home tonight as we take that step with you this week. Amen. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in online. Um, being a part of us, I want to invite you back. Like we said, we start the Christmas series next week. Uh, thank you to each one of you who partner with us financially as a financial partner and kind of being the church and, and doing the things that we could do. With There's a bunch of stuff we updated in the app under events. I encourage you to look toward that from virtual lunches to Christmas series to Christmas Eve to a 21 days of prayer initiative that we're going to have in January to... Uh, 
to different things. And so, uh, again, uh, one of those I want to draw your attention to is the Blessing Project. Um, and here's what we're uh, championing as a church to do. We, we're trying to live this out the best way we can. And this is our first step towards stepping back into that. Uh, is we are blessed to be a blessing. Uh, the New Testament writers talk about it's more blessing to give than to receive. And so we want to put our money where our mouth is and practice that. Uh, and so this December, every dollar that comes in in December, we're going to give away 10% of it come January. So whatever comes in in December, we're giving away 10% in January. And we're going to bless some nonprofits. We're going to bless some, maybe some individuals. There's some agencies here in town that are doing a lot of good. And we want to surprise them and just come alongside and support them and bless them. And so if you know of some nonprofits or, or agencies that are doing good for God in this, in this city, uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, and our team, our board, our elders will be looking at that, praying into that about who we're choosing this year. But this may be an annual thing that we do. Uh, and so in the month of January, we're going to give it away. We're going to show you uh, how we're doing that. And so I just want to invite you, if, if you are a partner with us, as you consider your year-end giving, uh, then this is a good place to give it, knowing that it's going to not only impact us and help us uh, get to a great place, but also be able to help many other people in our city. So invite you to consider that. Uh, I'm going to be back at the 10-minute party, which is the back of this room. So if you are new here in the house or if you live close by and you want to drive here in the next 10 minutes, uh, I'll be back there. I would love to meet you and hang out with you, just kind of hear your story a little bit. Um, and so I just want to leave you with a blessing. From Numbers chapter 6, this is the blessing that the Aaron, as the great priest in the Old Testament, and his sons would give over the people of God. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you, friend. May the Lord show you his favor, and may he give you his peace. We'll see you next Sunday.